Welcome to the Solo 2.0 podcast, where two sisters, Jess and Rye, focused on health and hormone balance to help you step into that 2.0 version of you. Growing up, we heard all about hormones, sometimes more than we wanted, from our mom, who is a hormone health educator. As we got older, we rebelled and experienced our own health struggles and ups and downs. But today we have businesses helping people get in tune with their bodies, break free from restrictive eating and lifestyle habits, and learn how to balance their hormones naturally. So what can you expect from this podcast? Honest conversations and hot topics that should be more mainstream, like period health, cycle tracking, non-hormonal birth control, and our unique take on fad diets and trends that aren't always so supportive for women. Plus, interviews with health and wellness entrepreneurs making a big impact in the world. Ladies, it's time we align with our powers and redefine what healthy means to us. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome back to the Solo 2.0 podcast. This is Jess, holistic health coach and founder of Body Bliss by Jess. And in the interview, you will be joined by my sister, Rye Birch, who is the co-founder of our family business, Your Hormone Balance. And for those of you who listen to our podcast every two weeks, we're sorry that this one is a little bit delayed, but it's because our parents were just in town from Oregon for a week to celebrate my mom's 75th birthday. And it was so fun. We drove down to Mexico just for a really quick little two-day trip to meet up with our aunt who lives in Ensenada, which is just outside of Valle de Guadalupe, which is home to some really amazing wine country and restaurants. And she planned the whole thing for us. She's a local, so she knew where to go and how to have the best experience. And we even got to stay in this beautiful little villa that cooked us breakfast each morning. And I think that was like one of the best breakfasts I've ever had. Everything was homemade from the butter to the jam, to the English muffins, to the house baked tortillas, to the chorizo and eggs, to the yogurt and granola. I mean, it was a feast. And we even had this fresh squeezed pineapple mint juice, which was insane. And not to mention, we just had such a blast trying out a few different wines and restaurants. The food down there is truly amazing. And just connecting as a family. And I loved celebrating my mom's birthday because she really is the epitome of what living a balanced life looks like. And she's just so full of energy and she really practices what she preaches. And it just really gives me just hope and knowing a confidence. I shouldn't say hope, but a confidence that I am also going to age gracefully and that age is truly just a number. That's all that it is. And one of my mom's favorite quotes by Abraham Lincoln says, in the end, it's not the years in your life that counts. It's the life in your years. And I love that so much. It is so, so true. And so this whole week was really about that. We even had a second celebration for her this weekend at my sister's house. She and her fiance hosted all of us and we had some delicious barbecue and played games and told stories and it was just so much fun. So all that to say, I am excited to kick off this interview or this episode with some of my top tips for achieving a more balanced summer while still making progress towards your health and fitness goals. Because as a hormone health coach, one of the things that I try to work with my clients on is breaking free from that all or nothing mentality and that striving for perfection and the feeling that if I don't do this 100% that I'm failing. Um, So I might as well not do it at all, right? I think a lot of us can get into that mentality. I sure as heck was in that mentality for over 10 years. And it's part of the reason I was always so frustrated with myself and my body. And I just felt 
just not home in my body. And I felt like I was never going to achieve balance. I didn't know how other people were able to go out and eat what they wanted seemingly and, you know, not have to worry about it. Whereas for me, I was constantly obsessing over either being on a diet or not being on a diet. I labeled foods as good and bad. I attached my self-worth to a number on the scale and the foods that I had eaten. And I think summer can be a really challenging time because there are so many social events. There are so many get-togethers and parties and vacations and road trips. And we want to be able to enjoy it without you know, missing out or having FOMO. And I'm here to tell you that there is a way to do that and to still make progress and to come out of summer feeling still really great and to just continue moving forward towards your goals, towards that 2.0 version of you. But before we get into my tips, I'm going to tell you a little bit about our guest today. Her name is Anna Ray, and she is the founder of GST Body. For the past 20 years, she's been delving into liberating and empowering the relationship with the fascia so that as many people as possible can invest in their health, restore vitality, and heal themselves with the tools that she has created. If you are not sure what the heck the fascia is, that is exactly why Ryan and I wanted to have her on the podcast. It's something that we knew very little about. But the fascial system plays a huge role into how our body functions and how we deal with pain. So in this episode, Anna talks about the chronic pain that she suffered as a dancer beginning at the age of 19 and into her 20s and how this pain manifested as tension and IBS-like symptoms. She spent thousands of hours searching to find a fix, both Eastern medicine and Western medicine, but it wasn't until she truly connected to her body and discovered the fascia, um, which she calls the secret organ, that when damage causes many of the body complications and complaints that we suffer from. And it wasn't until that point that she began to heal. And today, Anna is not only the founder of GST Body, but she's worked with celebrities like Robert Downey Jr., Emmy Rossum, and Sam Esmail, while also being featured in various publications from the Wall Street Journal to Goop. So we're excited for you to tune in to the episode, but that'll just give you a little teaser of what's to come. So now I'm going to get into some of my tips for having a balanced approach when it comes to the summertime. And again, this is something that is really my jam. It's something that I focus on in my own life. So all of these tips are things that I personally use and that I have been using so far this summer for my trip to Montreal, to our little Mexico trip. I'm also going to be traveling to Austin and Tahoe for a couple quick trips later in August. I'm going to be going to Europe in October and Mexico um, as well in December. So obviously that's not all in the summer, but just to say that I am big on living life. I love traveling. I love celebrating. I love a glass of wine here and there. I love good food and I don't like feeling guilty about it. And I still want to make progress towards my goals. I still have fitness goals that I have. I still want to feel confident in my own skin. I still want to, you know, I, I care how my clothes fit. I want to feel really confident but I also care a lot about how I feel from the inside out. I want great energy. I want to wake up feeling clear headed. I don't want to have brain fog. I don't want to have migraines, which is something that, you know, I have suffered with for a long time. Um, I'll have to share in a new episode, but I've been getting a lot of relief from my migraines lately and I'm so grateful, but you know, it's when we talk about making progress, it's not just about a number on the scale. It's not just about 
measurements. Um, it's not just about photos. It's really is about how we show up from the inside out. And so that's why it's really important to have a strong why for why you want to make changes. Otherwise, it's going to be a lot harder to get there. So with the summer, here are some things that can be major game changers for you in making progress towards health, hormone, fitness goals, and coming out of summer feeling like you're on top of things, feeling like you didn't have FOMO, you enjoyed uh, your celebrations, you enjoyed your trips, you were present with friends, but you still feel good. You still feel good. You still feel like you've made some habit changes and that you're able to layer onto those and maybe even hit it harder once fall comes when things slow down a little bit. So number one is always going to be blood sugar balance. This is something that I talk about a lot, but it is for good reason. I've had a lot of clients that have come to me that are eating really nutrient-rich foods. They're eating fatty fish. They're eating foods like quinoa and sweet potatoes and veggies, but they're feeling low energy. They're having hormonal imbalances. They have brain fog. And a lot of this comes down to imbalanced blood sugar. You can eat all the quote-unquote healthy foods in the world, but if your blood sugar is imbalanced, you're not going to feel great. So. When you build a meal from home or more, um, I guess, relevant to these tips, if you're eating out at a restaurant or you're going to a barbecue or you're at a friend's house, choosing to build the meal around protein first. On average, I would say to aim for at least 30 grams of protein or four to six ounces of protein at every meal. It's going to vary from person to person, but this is a good general rule of thumb. So if a restaurant menu says, you know, four ounces of salmon or whatever, then you know that that's a pretty decent amount. You can also go by like a palm's worth, like a big palm size should be a good amount of protein. So pick that first. And then after that, ideally have about half your plate in veggies um, or at least a quarter of your plate, because that's going to give you vitamins and minerals. It's going to give you fiber. So you feel fuller for longer. It's going to help detoxify the body. And then some fats, some healthy fats like avocado, olive oil, butter, you know, grass-fed butter, things like that. Obviously, it's not always going to be possible to get grass-fed butter or organic ingredients. So I don't want you to worry as much about that when you're eating out, but just that you're choosing protein and some fats to balance things out and you're getting that fiber. And then you're complementing everything with a carbohydrate. That might be a nutrient-rich carbohydrate like a sweet potato, or it might not be. Maybe it's you know, white pasta, and that's totally fine. So let me give you an example. When you go to an Italian restaurant and you look at the menu, a lot of the pastas on there are going to be pretty protein low and carb high. So let's say that you get a carbonara, for example. It's going to be mostly carbs with a little bit of protein and some fat. And you're, you're, I, I don't know how many grams of protein, but it's going to be very low protein. So it's basically a carb bomb. And even if you ate the whole pasta dish and you felt really stuffed in the moment, probably an hour or two later, you're going to be looking around for a snack. You're going to feel your energy levels start to crash. You're going to probably feel pretty sleepy. You might have more cravings and you might just kind of feel out of it. So, and you might even wake up in the middle of the night with a blood sugar crash, which wakes you up. So how would I tweak this? I would make sure that I have protein first. So if I'm out with someone else, like my husband, I would say, hey, let's split like a fish dish. So we're splitting a fish. We choose a couple veggie sides to go with it. And then we split a pasta. So that way we're getting in our protein, we're getting in our veggies, and we're also complementing it with carbs, but we're not having like a huge bowl of pasta. We're sharing it. And then, you know, obviously there's fat in there too, because there's going to be olive oil in the pasta. If we were doing a Mexican restaurant, for example, 
instead of having, you know, there's going to be chips and salsa that are brought to the table. Then your entree might have, let's see, you get like a tortilla plate that also has beans and rice. That's going to be a lot of carbs. So how can you balance it out? You could have just a few chips, like a small handful, um, get some guacamole to go in it. So you have a little bit of fat there. And then for your entree, ordering something like fajitas that have a good amount of protein, like chicken or shrimp. And instead of getting the beans and the rice and the tortillas, maybe you could swap out the beans and rice for extra fajita veggies or a salad, and then just enjoy the tortillas as your carbohydrate. So it really is just about balance and I promise if you can do this, you're going to feel a whole lot better and it's going to make a big difference in, you know, making progress towards your goals. So if, for example, your goal is weight loss, if you've swapped out two to three of those carbs for extra veggies, that's not only going to cut, that's going to cut the calories significantly, but because you've made sure to prioritize protein and fats and fiber, you're going to stay fuller for a whole lot longer. So you're not going to have those crashes and cravings later on. And if you're not trying to lose weight, it's just going to help to protect your energy levels so that you're sleeping, you're going to sleep better. You're going to have better brain function. You're just going to feel better throughout the whole day. Okay, the next one is to uh, walk after meals. And this one is pretty major. It is an absolute game changer. It's something that I've been doing for a long time, but there's research around it to support why walking after meals is so good. So instead of getting straight into an Uber after your restaurant meal or just going back to your desk after you eat lunch, try to go for a walk because... There was a meta-analysis that was published in February 2022 that analyzed seven studies and concluded that if study participants went for a short walk after eating, their blood sugar levels rose and fell more gradually, and their insulin levels remained more stable than if they were to just sit right back down. And this means that moving your body right after a meal will help to clear sugar from the bloodstream and bring it into the muscles where it can actually be used as energy. And remember, the carbs break down to sugar in the body, sugar are carbs. So carbs are sugar, sugar are carbs. And we want to be able to utilize that sugar for energy instead of just storing it directly. And by making that daily habit, you not only can better support weight loss efforts in a sustainable way, but you can improve insulin uh, sensitivity. You can boost your energy levels, your mood, And you can even prevent against things like type 2 diabetes. Um, It can also help you to better digest and utilize nutrients. So it can reduce gas and bloating as well. And then it releases those feel-good endorphins to lift your spirits, can bring down cortisol stress hormone levels. And it's just a great way to stay active. So one thing that my husband and I challenge ourselves to when we're on vacation is, and we actually just did this when we were in Montreal, Canada, we said, If we map a place and it comes up that it's a 30-minute walk or less, we're walking. If it's over 30 minutes, then if we want to, we can take an Uber or public transportation. A lot of the times, even if it was over 30 minutes, we still walked. Like a lot of times we would walk for 45 minutes. There's a couple of times where we would walk for an hour. And it was fun because we found little things along the way. We were able to explore the city more and we got in all those steps, which again, helped us to feel so much better, sleep deeper. And because we weren't getting in regular workouts like we're used to, it just made us feel a lot better. Like we were still getting in movement. And so think about how you can walk after a meal. Maybe, and even when you're at home, like after dinner, get the family and go for a walk. And in general, walking is such a game changer. 
If you have a busy schedule this summer, if you're not able to get in as many workouts, try to prioritize walking in creative ways. Can you park in the farthest spot away from your destination? Can you take the stairs instead of the elevator? Can you walk to the post office instead of drive? Can you walk to the grocery store? Can you walk to CVS? This is what I do on a daily basis. I Everything I just said, I do that. I rarely drive my car. I'm fortunate that I can walk to all those places within you know anywhere between 10 minutes and 45 minutes. But if you're able to, challenge yourself to that. If you're not, when you drive to the grocery store, park in the farthest away spot you possibly can and walk. If you have a nail appointment that's at 3 p.m., let's say, get there at 2.40, walk, park in a neighborhood that's a 20-minute walk from the nail salon, walk 20 minutes to the nail salon, and walk 20 minutes back. And there you go. You added you know, an extra 40 minutes of walking, which is going to be a lot of steps. So increasing your step count is going to make a big difference. I know we always hear the number 10,000 steps. That's a great one to aim for, but it doesn't need to be 10,000. If you're someone who's only doing 4,000 steps right now, increase by 1,000, do 5,000. If you're someone doing 7,000 steps, try for 8,000. And then the next week, you know, bump that up a little bit. As we layer onto our goals, it's really important that we set many goals and that we create goals that are achievable with achievable action steps to follow. Okay, you know, my goal is to get in 8,000 steps this today, but normally I'm getting in 7,000. How am I going to get that extra thousand? Well, I'm going to, you know, meet a friend for a latte instead of, I'm going to meet a friend for a latte and we're going to walk and talk instead of sitting down at the table and drinking our latte. Like that's a simple way, right? So think about, what little tweaks and changes like the ones I just mentioned that you can make to get in those steps instead of like going straight to the couch and watching TV after dinner, grab your partner and go for a walk, catch up on the day and then come back and you'll still have time to watch your show. And then when it comes to workouts, I'm a huge fan of strength training. So we won't dive into like the type of workouts and when to do them and stuff like that, but just for the purpose of giving you tips for when you're outside of your routine and in summer when things are busy, I would say, you know, even just getting in like 20 minute workouts, if you feel like you don't have time or you're traveling is going to make a difference. I buy booty bands and resistance bands online and I will do 15 to 20 minute workouts when I travel. And last year we went to Greece and I did like a 15 to 20 minute booty band workout that I found on YouTube every other day. And it felt so good. And on top of it, we were walking a lot. So I came back from that trip feeling better than when I got there. And also because I had released so much stress. And so it made such a big difference, but pack those with you. They don't have to be long workouts. Really just getting in the habit of moving your body, even when you're on vacation is key because then when you get back, you'll already be in the habit. So it won't feel like you have such a large mountain to climb and it won't feel so hard to get back on track with things. So give yourself grace, go a little bit slower, do a little bit less time, but still get it in because that's going to make a huge difference. You're still going to be able to make progress. And um, just, you know, do things that are fun, do things that are active. The summertime is the time to get outside and move your body in ways that you love. Find, you know, active, creative ways to meet up with friends that are not always so focused on eating or drinking, like go for a new hike, explore a new neighborhood, be a tourist in your city, you know, explore, Um, do a neighborhood or a beach cleanup, bring those trash grabbers with you and a plastic, you know, like a 
trash bag and clean up a neighborhood while you walk with a friend and catch up or by yourself, put on a good podcast and do a little cleanup. I've done this several times with a friend and with Josh, and it just feels really great to give back to your community, but also to be active in that way. Maybe treat yourself to a spa day if you have the budget for it, or even do a spa day at home, make a fun face mask and listen to some spa music, make some like eucalyptus spa towels. You could have a game night with friends. You could have a potluck where everyone brings a healthy dish. And, um, you know, there's so many things that you can do to, to be creative, go to like a comedy show. I think so much of the time we think social events have to be geared around eating and drinking and they don't, if we can get creative Uh, I mean, there's like movies in the park in a lot of cities. There's just so many things that we can do, but it just requires a little bit more creativity. It's super easy to be like, hey, let's go meet up for a drink. It's a little bit harder to look up what's going on in your area and to think outside of the box. But I promise you will find a lot of things to do where you leave just feeling even better. Um, And it's not to say don't eat out, don't have those moments because I am all about it. But it's just, if you can balance it out, with being active and doing things that bring down stress and that just lead you closer to the way that you want to feel when you do go out to eat and you have that big pasta dish, or you have a couple of drinks, you're, you know, you, you're able to be fully present with it. You acknowledge like, this isn't what I'm doing most of the time. This is just a treat. This is some of the time and I'm going to enjoy it and I'm going to be present with it. And I'm going to move past it afterwards. I'm not going to dwell on it or think about what I have to do to quote unquote, make up for it. Just going to keep moving forward. And then when you are at those meals that maybe are a little bit more indulgent or whatever, it's like just making these little tweaks here and there, like what I said with the balanced meals. And then if you're drinking alcohol, things that you can do like ordering clear spirits like vodka or tequila or gin, and instead of getting the full two ounces, ask them to pour you an ounce or, you know, get a skinny margarita instead of a regular margarita, which is going to eliminate some calories and sugar. Um, I like to do like a vodka or not vodka. I actually hate vodka, but I like to do like a tequila and soda with fresh lime juice. And then I'll ask for some muddled mint if they have it. And I'll ask for a fresh orange wedge and I'll squeeze it in there. And then I'll pack with me a packet of stevia or monk fruit and I'll put it in there and I'll make my own little margarita. And I promise you doing something like that is going to save anywhere between like 20 and 40 grams of sugar and like two to 300 calories. A lot of those cocktails that you see on the menu where it's like passion fruit puree or like strawberry guava cocktail or whatever it is, like those fruits, those purees, those are full of sugar and full of calories. And not only does that, you know, if you're ordering a lot of those, does that add up and can, you know, when you're doing that frequently, sabotage some of your progress, but it leads to a way worse hangover. So if you can make those little changes, if you can, you know, if maybe usually you would have three cocktails, have one of those fancy cocktails. And then after that switch to soda water, try not to keep up with other people. You don't have to keep up. It's not a race. You can still have fun having like one or two drinks, Try to have water in between because alcohol dehydrates the body. It also depletes our body of electrolytes. So if you can drink electrolytes between alcoholic drinks, like Ultima is my favorite brand. Um, It tastes delicious. It's sugar-free. That's going to keep you hydrated. 
If you can take some B vitamins um, at the end of the night to help replenish some of the B vitamins, that's going to be supportive. We've talked about chlorella before, which can help detoxify the body. And it's great if you can take a couple of those or a few of those um, a couple hours before drinking. Um, depending on the chlorella that you're using, there's going to be different dosage directions, um, but that can be really helpful. And then just being really present and enjoying the moment. And the one thing you have to remember is that there's usually not a time where we wake up the next day and we think, you know what? I wish I would have had six drinks. Why did I only have two? That's so annoying. I should have ordered those four more drinks. I would have had so much more fun. I don't think that ever happens because we usually wake up and we're like, whoa, I feel so much better than I would have. I'm productive. I'm happy. I still enjoyed myself and I didn't need those extra three drinks or even that one extra drink. So it's just having a little bit more mindfulness, a little bit more balance checking in with yourself, making the choice that feels right for you in the moment. And these little tweaks and changes can not only add up to hundreds of calories and I mean, seriously, like hundreds of grams of sugar, depending on how many drinks you're having and the food that you're having, but also just the way that you feel the next day, not having that guilt hangover, not having that those low energy levels, that headache or for me, a migraine, um, not having like those serotonin levels be low to where you feel anxious and even depressed the next day. It can really, you know, have a toll on your mental and physical health, the more alcohol that you drink. And we actually just did a post on your hormone balance and body bliss about the negative impacts of alcohol and hormones, which is really important to know about. So I definitely suggest checking that out. And it's not to make you fearful of having alcohol we, I mean, if you look at my stories over the last week, we've had a good amount of wine as a family, but it's, you know, special occasions, it's celebrations. And we really do try to be super mindful. And we use all of these tips that I've been talking about to practice that balance. And sometimes, you know, you just have to remember that you have to focus on yourself. There's going to be times where you want to order the healthiest thing on the menu and you don't want to have a single drink and you want to stick to water. And that's amazing. But there's going to be times where you want three drinks and a bowl of pasta. And that's also okay, but it's how you come back from those moments that make the difference. Like it's how you move on from that. And you learn from those challenges or those situations that makes the difference. So if you have a huge bowl of pasta and a bunch of drinks and you don't feel good the next day, it's like, okay, how can I approach that situation next time to where I don't have FOMO, but I'm making, you know, more mindful choices so that I come out feeling better. So there's a lot more tips I could give, but these are, this is kind of touching on some of the stuff that I help my clients with and things that I personally integrate into my life so that after summer, I'm still feeling really good and I'm able to make even more progress towards my goals when things slow down a little bit. So if you are interested in one-on-one -on -one coaching, which is what I provide um, through a custom app, you get a ton of support. I can create customized meal plans, customized workout plans. Um, I also provide unlimited support through video, voice, and text messaging chat. I provide educational lessons on a variety of topics from um, how to balance your macros to gut health to traveling tips to, gosh, all kinds of things, cycle syncing. Um, it's really a very holistic program and everything is housed in one place in my custom app. So you log into an app and literally everything is there for you. So it makes it so easy and it's so customized. And I truly takes so much time um, to you know work with each one of my clients because I'm very invested in them and I'm really, really passionate about helping 
women especially break free from diet culture and like the the yo-yos of diet culture the all or nothing mentality and to meet themselves where they're at and to make small incremental changes in the direction of where they want to go. So if you're interested, you can click the link in the show notes to set up a free discovery call with me and um, we can chat about your goals and see if it might be the right fit for you. Um, And I would love to work with you. So that being said, I'm excited to get into this interview with our guest, Anna Ray. I hope that you enjoy it and we welcome her to the podcast. We definitely want to get into the work that you do with fascia. It's a subject, it's a topic we honestly know very little about. We haven't talked about it before. We're super interested in it. So before we get into all that is fascia. Is um, fascia? Fascia. Oh my gosh. No, it's said both ways. I say fascia because I'm kind of more American, but I think it's like Anna versus Anna. It's still the yeah. same. You just kind of like apples versus apples or potatoes versus potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Something like that, apples. <laughs> I've yet to meet anyone that says it like that. <laughs> so it's, you know, you'll hear me say it differently just because it's habit. Cool. Yeah. Okay, I just want to so make sure before we. Yeah. So, but we know that you have a really interesting story with chronic pain. And, you know, we find that health practitioners, health experts, you know, everybody has a story for the most part that got them into doing what they do. And so we want you to take us back to your story and just share a little bit more about, you know, what you went through and how that guided you into what you're doing today. Thanks. Yeah. Um, So my story kind of started at 18 and I always give a little bit of like a mini, mini prologue to my story, because I think it's significant when we, um, and if we get into the realm of like fascia being your organ of consciousness and how it connects with your emotions and um, kind of like sense of self and stuff. So we'll start kind of back at the body and work towards soul, but it's kind of a um, preliminary because I don't remember when my symptoms of pain and body complications really started to show up Um, or like younger than this really definitive moment. So when I was 18, I was living in San Francisco and I was in um, a relationship with a woman um, that was kind of volatile and not great. I had been already through quite a bit of therapy for sexual abuse in my childhood and had suffered um, with eating disorders. And so I was kind of just like a little bit of a messed up kid in my head and my heart and suffered from depression. So I already had a little bit of that, but this um, divining moment, I'm driving on the freeway and, you know, depressed and trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do with my life at 18. And um, I felt this like strike of lightning that was like, if you don't do something about this thing in your life, you will not fulfill your destiny kind of a thing. So I pulled off the highway, called my mom and said, can I come home? And um, I wanted to spend the summer at home in really deep therapy. I can't afford it. Can you cover me? And my mom and dad said, yes. So they flew me out the next day, brought me home. And I lived in a cabin for three months with a knife under my bed in the middle of nowhere because I was so terrified. I'm like, if someone's going to come get me. And it was like this really interesting, like I need to commit to self-healing. So I went to therapy and um, did this summer of healing. It was really important for landing back in the fall in um, San Francisco. And within a couple months is when I really started to have this awareness that things were not right in my body. Something is wrong. 
And I felt um, like I was kind of wearing a straitjacket. It's really hard to kind of describe these because fashion is very different, has so many different feelings. But it felt like I was wearing a straitjacket. And on the inside, they were like blunt and sharp objects. It would like randomly poke me or or hurt me or like singe me or feel like it was like um, like kind of tacking me. And I couldn't actually move very well. And then some days I was, you know, a dancer. And some days I would feel like I couldn't like, like I'd done the hardest workout in my life. Do you know the kind where you like can't sit down on the toilet because your quads feel like they're just going to like break or you can't get your shirt off because your shoulders. And I wouldn't have done any workout that was really hard. And I'd be like, why am I so sore? I can't really like do anything. Um, And I would kind of like stretch. I was a Pilates teacher at this point. So I knew anatomy and had taken a workshop on fascia um, and had studied quite a few different disciplines of Pilates Um, And so I felt like I knew the body pretty well. Um, And I started to get more and more worried when I stopped being able to like breathe. And so I would like go up and run through Golden Gate Park. And one day I would be like feeling like I had trained for a marathon. Everything was great. I was running like seven and a half, eight minute miles. For me, that's good. And I was like, okay, the next day I would go out and run the same track and feel like I had smoked 10 packs of cigarettes. And I was like, why? What is this? And where did it come from? Um, And then I had digestive issues, but I kind of attributed some of that to my um, eating disorder days and laxative abuse and all that kind of stuff. And um, but I also up to this point had done a lot of healing, right? Like gone to nutritionists and re, you know, helped my microbiome and was just trying to build flora and all the stuff that you need to do to try to help with stuff, but I just had severe IBS symptoms and there was not really a clear diagnosis. I went and got colonoscopies and they were like, you look fine. The lining is great. You don't have whatever. So these just things were kind of like pushing and pulling on me. And it felt like I um, was kind of losing my health, not gaining it. And I had a Pilates reformer in my uh, studio or in my studio apartment. I say studio, studio apartment. And um, at one point I was just desperate in pain, middle of the night. And I was like, why is this happening to me? What is this? And I called my Pilates mentor the next day and she's like, sorry, I don't really know. And I can't do anything for you. And so it just kind of sent me into this spiral of like, I really don't have anyone to help me and I need to figure this out. And so I started kind of doing Pilates stuff and being like, okay, so when do I feel this or what triggers it? And I kind of you know, approached it very much like when I had a flare up or what are these pains that I'm having? And I treated it like a Rubik's cube, kind of like my ADHD brain, like hyper-focused. And I'm like, okay, when I do this, this happens. And some of these felt really random. Like I would stretch into my right lung and then I would feel like, like a burning singe down my left leg. And I'm like, that's weird. Why do I have that? So I had done all like the lying on balls and the foam rolling. And I had a 10 series of rolfing. And I was like, I knew that it wasn't muscular in my body. I was like, I don't think it's muscles. I don't think it. And I said, maybe this is fascial. And so then I just started going into a deep dive of fascia. And at the time, 25 years ago, fascia was really limited to manual therapies, mostly like Ida Rolf, osteopathic medicine. Um, some people would talk about it in deep tissue massage, but it was really not known at all in, this, in the main thing. And it was definitely not associated with motion or movement. Um, like that. So I kind of found some of these staple books, um, like um, uh, Anatomy Trains by uh, Tom Myers, and um, a 
couple other books, but I literally just kind of spent hours. And I mean, like three or four hours a night trying to figure out what this was. And there was a definitive point where it's like, I would get released from foam rolling. I would lay on balls and I could get some like, you know, spreading and melting feeling. But when I got up and went dance again, my symptoms would return. Or if I had a fight with my, my boyfriend at the time, I would like get these like bad lung attacks. And I'm like, what is, why? So I could tell it was triggered. Say what? Sorry. And you're doing all of this at 18 or 20. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, sorry. I just like, heard that age and it's like for you to be doing all this research and even understanding what the fascia is. That's wow. That's impressive. Very, very young, very young. Yeah. And I kept like taking courses. I never got really certified other than in my Pilates and I did a fascial fitness certification, but I never got certified in anything. I would just go and like study it and I'd be like, take it home. I'd work it. And then I'm like, okay, this kind of worked and this didn't work. And then this, and I did everything like to like water crystal healing and, you know, like going into the mountains with like healers and taking peyote. And like, I mean, I literally was like, maybe it's psychological, maybe it's this. And I did somatic work and I just was open to everything. I was basically like whatever would heal me. So I took the pieces that like kind of resonated and I'd go home and kind of do the stuff I was doing. And I was using the reformer as like kind of almost a massage tool where I would like pin and like hold my body in certain things and then like torque my tissue around. And all of a sudden I'd like feel a little bit of a release and I could breathe better. And then there was this one night where I was thinking like, I need to not be able to have to come home and roll for three hours in order to feel somewhat normal. Like this is not sustainable for me. And so that night I was laying there. I'm like, what is this roller doing? What is it doing? And I kind of was like, okay, I went into like meditation. I'm sure it was like kind of this, it was also kind of maybe divine because I was laying there and I watched in my body. I'm like, this roller pushes into me. And then I feel something spread. And I thought, what if I could actually control that thing, that spread? What if I could do that? on purpose, like I contract a muscle. And that's when everything changed. And that's when I started realizing that and kind of started developing GST because it was the only thing I could find out there, even 25 years ago, that was like, you can actually do something. You can actually contract fascia, move it like this, and it creates something else. So I started just taking these feelings. And when I'm lifting my leg in dance, it was so hard. I would make this contraction in my fascia and my leg would lift. Higher. And I'm like, that's weird. Then I would do it again. Pretty soon, a dancer who had super like difficulty with strength and everything because of my body pain, I'm having balancing type ballet legs just like going everywhere. And it was literally in maybe three to four months that I could see a huge range of motion, like 80% increase in my range of motion. So I just start chasing this. And this is where the story could you know, t- turn out. But like when you start activating your fascia, you can see fascial current, right? that actually moves and impulses through your tissues. And all of a sudden, like my IBS stuff would start to like dissipate and I could actually move my guts in a way that would move this. And so I started patterning and kind of tracing my own like journey through the connective tissue and found that lots of them were similar to like what, and you guys don't even know this, but like anatomy trains is a kind of like one of the leading you know, platforms for fascial um, connectivity. And he's a brilliant um, anatomist, but it wasn't ever applied to movement, right? So when you start moving fascia, it feels and, and reveals different things. And so I started teaching this to my Pilates clients and found incredible 
um, differences like two weeks pre-op for cervical um, fusion in the spine because the nerves were so bad. She comes in, I give her three things to do. And within 28 to, or 24 to 48 hours, her nerve pain is almost subsided completely. And I'm like, this is interesting. So then I just kind of through the years got known for being able to do things with movement that was um, radically changing the way people's physiology, not just muscular skeletal. And then that's what took me down this kind of like rabbit hole to whole body health, which was like, actually you can manipulate your gut, your butt, um, but your gut biome. You can also manipulate your butt, which I try yeah. to do for people forever. <laughs> it can give you a better butt instead of tucking your pelvis. Don't do that. Um, so anyway, that was kind of the story I just started like putting it together. And then eventually I'm like, there's a body of work here that is, it's not just like I'm doing for a while. I thought I was doing Pilates and kind of doing it differently. And then I'm like, Ooh, this isn't Pilates. And I would like go and get, try to get a job in LA when I moved down there. And they're like, what are you doing? This isn't Pilates. And I'm like, okay, you're right. It's called GST <laughs> because it's so different that people started noticing those different. So that's kind of how I got to it and just trial and error. And I mean, like, I think it's Malcolm Gladwell. That's like, you know, to be an expert in anything, you have to put in like 10,000 hours. And I'm like, what about 20? What about 30 <laughs> hours? Because I would do it like when I'm dancing in New York and on the subway and you just, it becomes a way of life of me being able to fix my body for myself, which is one of the kind of tenets of GST is like becoming your own practitioner yeah. to really radically affect your body. And I, what's fun is that in the most recent uh, years, um, research is starting to come out, right? It happens simultaneously, but it's like, they're starting to have the definitive reason that you can impact some of these autonomic functions like your um, gut health by using fascia because of how tied into the autonomic nervous system it is. So okay. it was, I discovered it and then it moved on. So, Well, I was just going to say, I don't mean to interrupt you, but oh, I just know that there's going to be a lot of people, including myself, they're like, let's back up to what exactly is fascia. And I mean, hearing you speak, it's amazing because one, I'm thinking, wow, you're so young, 18 or 20 years old. I think if I was having chronic pain, I'd just be like, mom, can you take me to the doctor or like, what's going on with me? And I think that's kind of the default for a lot of us is just kind of, you know, going to a doctor, going to a physical therapist and hoping that that person can give us answers. And it's so incredible that at such a young age, I know you had a lot of experience with movement and teaching, but still, it sounds like you're very in tune to your body and really intuitive. Mm -hmm. And then you're good at listening to what the messages that your body's sending you, but then also getting really curious and connecting the dots between this experience that you have with movement, but then also taking a step further to learn about anatomy and then innovating. That's incredible. So thanks. Actually, no one has ever hyper, like has no one's pulled that out. And so thank you because I haven't pulled that out for myself. I'm like, that is actually, I don't know why. Sometimes I think it's, yeah, that's an interesting part of the story, isn't it? Very impressive. Know. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And I think that I think I would just like to add one thing for listeners because I like to be corrective in perspective. Remember how we were talking about with IVF, like, oh, it's as easy to get pregnant if you just go whatever. And I feel like being really specific is important that you said I was really connected to my body. And I feel like I was never that embodied. In fact, I wasn't the kind of person that actually 
like could feel all these minute things. And I, I'm kind of a sensualist. Like I love feeling things, but at the time I was really driven by pain and the pain was so loud and so screaming that I couldn't ignore it anymore. And so what was interesting is that it was like listening to the pain and then learning to move the pain. Like I would actually, like that's an important part of the story of like, I would like trigger pain on purpose, not because I'm a sadist, but because I was like, if I push there, why is that there? And then if I move the fascia the way I knew how, my pain would like immediately resolve. And so it was this process of like, well, I'd say 40% better. So I'd do it again. And then I'd do it again. And then pretty soon within like three or four rep repetitions, the pain was gone. And so I think it was like, I started to be hungry for the reprieve. And that's what allowed me to stay in my body. Because when you have so much pain, you jump out of your body. You don't yeah. actually live in body right? You stay away from it. And so one of the keys, and I think this translates into psychology for people where it's like, when you're constantly anxious and constantly, you're like constantly out of yourself rather than like, let me deal with that pain, this pain, physical pain, psychological, whatever the pain is. And if I learn how to move my pain, and so it's not sitting on me, that helps you get more embodied. That helps you connect and start feeling things deeper. And then because fascia is the organ of this consciousness. And there's a reason we can talk about that's what made me connected, right? That became my lens to really be able to like settle in my body and in my life, you know, finding that healing. So I like to just say that because I think that, um, it's a misnomer to be like, I just felt these things. And it was like, sometimes I'm like, I don't know what I'm feeling or where it's going. And, you know, it's, it's an effort, um, which I don't, yeah, I think that's an important part of, you know, being healthy is, is understanding what effort is required. Mm -hmm. So, so what is fascia and what is the role in the body? It's role in the body. Such a great question. So when people use the word fascia, they're kind of talking about this type of tissue in the body. And it's like saying I have a cotton shirt or I have linen pants. So think of it like a fabric. If you dissect and open up the human body, it looks like a gel spider web all over inside of you. And it's kind of wet and it looks um, like kind of a kitty went crazy with yarn. It's everywhere and it's packed in all of the empty and open spaces. And you have different types of fascia that like make up those linen and um, like linen would be myofascia. It's sturdy and it's kind of fibrous and like um, hardy and can handle a lot of wear and tear. And then you have viscera, which is a little bit more like silk or sateen that has glide and motility. Um, and so you have all these different types of tissues that are about forming to what the function is for what they serve. But what makes fascia more interesting to me, and this is what we're starting to build the bigger picture in the science community, which is that fascia is not just a type of tissue. It organizes itself into an entire body system, one of only three full body nets. So you have only three holistic body systems. One is called your neural net, right? It's the nervous system that reaches everywhere and touches every other system, influencing its function and behavior. You have the circulatory net, which are the fluids like your lymph and your cardiovascular. And you can see capillaries all the way down into your fingertips, up into your brain everywhere. So you have the circulatory net. And then you have the fibrous net. We'll talk about it later, but that's fascia, right? This fibrous net, but it organizes an entire body system like your digestive system that comes complete with liver and kidneys or your respiratory system comes with lungs and a heart. But these are mast organs, like they're like big, bulbous things. And so for years, we've been more fascinated with the mass organs 
than the connective tissue. And in like medical school, they cut it away and it's superfluous. They don't care. And we never knew what it was doing because we couldn't see organization of it. And so one of the most cutting edge stuff that's happening now is we're getting bigger and bigger pictures of how it's organized. So there are literally fascial organs, but instead of them being like the heart, they actually are like layered sedimentary rock, right? Where you can like cut up a stone and you see where this one was laid and where this one is laid and they deep dive and come out and they surface and they create this beautiful tapestry of an entire system. And this is why I like to explain it less as like a tissue type and more as like a system because fascia then starts to have infinite influence on all these other systems. It is and behaves a certain way like an endocrine organ and supports endocrine function, which is a you know big thing for you guys because of your relationship with your mom. And so it's involved in that. It's involved in the lymph system with pre-lymph fluid and how lymph moves. It's very much related to the um, muscular skeletal system for movement, you know, and fitness. It's related to the brain and the nervous system and how you can like start to deal with brain health and brain cognitive function, um, brain um, damage and distress um, can be dealt with through fascia. So when I talk about it, it's like fascia is the kind of catch-all phrase that people are talking about, but it's actually an extensive system. And um, the thing I think that is the most significant about fascia is that its greatest influence is our human motion. It's called loading, right? And never do you have as much load into your body than when you're moving. And that's what I started to discover is that I could use my movement almost like a jackhammer tool. And I could go in and actually restructure this tissue where I had lumps and bumps and restrictions that were pinching on nerves or like restricting flow. I used to have a lot of problems with like swelling and stuff. Um, and um, I could go in and actually use movement as the manipulating force to change the structure. And that's what ended up starting all of these like significant changes, not just release of tension, right? Not just getting into the flow, but like you want to remodel your body because it's not working for you, you actually can remodel your body. And that's through motion. How does someone know if they have an issue with their fascia? And I assume that many people don't, or do we, should we assume that most people do? And how does that happen? Oh, that's a great question. So you will, some people with um, uh, hypersensitivities like fibromyalgia and stuff will know that they have problems with their fascia. Okay. If you have multiple symptoms of issues like chronic um, autoimmune stuff, if you have um, uh, numerous injuries, if you've had lots of surgeries, you can pretty much guarantee that you have problems with your fascia. But for the general public, two things damage fascia, sedentary lifestyle and working out so hard with incorrect biomechanics. Okay. Mm -hmm. So two extremes. If you sit all day, your tissues produce um, what are called glyco glycogens, glycans, glycogens, I think they're called. And it's almost like a crystallization of honey that actually makes your fascia rigid. This starts happening after four hours of sitting, mm -hmm. only four hours of sitting. So most people think they go to the, the gym and they glycation. I think that's what's called. Yeah, I was um, going to say glycogen's a different thing. Yes, it's a totally different thing. Glycation. Yeah. I better get this straight if I'm going to tell you the things of science. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so it's this process of like almost getting like sugarized crystals in your tissues from sitting. 
And when that happens, um, people think that they could go out at the end of their day and, you know, burn them off. But actually, they go and work out so hard and hit and doing as much cardio. And then they adrenalize their tissues with over-muscularization of what they're doing. And so we have this really like, we see that fascia is damaged really by our modern lifestyles. And nothing is really just like moderate. Nothing is really just kind of mild. And fascia is so potent that you can actually do less and gain more when you start doing this. So most people will have some type of either ossification, adherence, like when your fascia is not able to have hydration and glide um, and it gets sticky, kind of like, like that honey, it starts to have extra friction. And friction on tissue can create calluses, right? Like if you go out and you haven't like done yard work in the last, I don't know, since winter, you go out and you take a rake and you start sweeping or picking up your leaves. All of a sudden, after about an hour, you look down and you've got these like kind of pink pockets on your hands and they feel tender and they feel like inflamed. And if you kept doing that, you would have actual like um, calluses. Take that into the inside surface of your skin. And when you take out glide from sitting and from over tightening muscles and surging the tissue, you actually will get lack of glide, which creates internal stiffness and thickening of your tissue. And that will lead to progressively less and less motility. So one of the things I didn't say in like what is fascia is that it acts as endocrine organs. It acts as, you know, like um, uh, lymphatic support. But its greatest thing is as your body's energetic smart grid. Okay. So it is what modulates the energies like nutrition is, is actually delivered through fascia. The nutrition from the food that you eat is delivered through the ECM. It's called the extracellular matrix. It's what actually helps the nutrition get to the cells after you eat. Um, it is, um, and that's energy, right? That's how your body receives cellular and other types of energy. So as the smart grid of your body, fashion is the reason that your heart can be next to your lungs and not have interference. Your lungs put off the EKG, right? The electrocardio output. Your lungs have a similar energy that's put out and the fascia is busy modulating, dampening high force, high vector force from outside and boosting from inside and making the whole body move energy efficiently and making sure that everything is a go. And so when you start taking out its, its you know, primary way of moving through thickening of tissue, through the static and the stasis of um, the fibers, when you dehydrate tissue through diet, um, through stress, through adrenal response, all of a sudden you're locking up all of the motion and the energetics into and through your system. And that's when you really started to see that it will show different symptoms everywhere. Some people will see it as an endocrine problem. Some people will see it as a lymphatic problem. Some will see it as just like, I have pain all the time when my workouts, why is that? Um, some will experience it mostly just as depression when you start like taking away the energy from the spine. So that's kind of what it ends up looking like. It's so multifaceted. If someone has an injury that hasn't healed very well and they're not able to get mobility back into that part of their body, would fascia work also help there? Because I'm just thinking about like our mom has had this issue with her elbow where it's like just chronic pain in her elbow to where she can't do certain, you know, strength. She can't really do like bicep curls and things well. And she's 
done some things that have helped, like even cupping helped a little bit. Yeah, which yeah. that led me to the thought of cupping because cupping is stagnation. Yeah, and so I'm curious if that's a situation where you might recommend yes. doing some fascia work, yeah. where she's seen people and she just can't seem to get relief. You know, no matter what she does. There's probably two reasons that she's not finding some reprieve, and this is what fascia helps to kind of expand. One of the reasons that cupping is giving her some reprieve is that it's pulling fascia in an oppositional load to what is actually vicing her. So if you want medicine, right, you always take the opposite of what is going in. If you are constantly compressing your body, traction can be your medicine, right? You want to usually do the opposite of what puts you into that dis-ease um, space. So that's one of the reasons cupping works. It also works on fascial, like, you know, hydration, which will give more um, feed for synovial fluid. But the two reasons that usually fascia is involved and that people don't get healed is our, our general view of the human body is based upon specialists. We narrow our focus so deeply into like, I am a specialist of uh, orthopedic medicine. I am a specialist of gastroenterology. I am a, a specialist of pulmonology. I'm, and we take this like really like large view and we ask our specialists to so myofocus, like myopically focus that they don't actually see bigger and bigger pictures. An elbow thing is not an elbow thing. An elbow things comes from your shoulder, which comes from your spine, which comes from your rib cage. And so all of a sudden, fascia is asking us to back up and be like, let's look to source rather than symptom in our disease. Let us actually back up and open our aperture and be like, what else can this be? And that's what I had to do to heal myself. Because I'm like, these people are doing this and they're not finding anything. But I see that there's so many things that are connected. This has to be related to this. And so one of the things that your mom can do is actually start seeing bigger pictures with people who are more integrative specialists, but fascia also then starts to go and look for the connection. Like what is, it could be her left foot that is actually causing the problem in her left or right elbow, right? Because fascia is this constant grid that's like, like listening and monitoring tone and connective, you know, stuff. And so a lot of times people will go in and try to treat the symptom and not actually come back out and be like, what is the source? And 90% of the time, elbows are always shoulder. 99% of the time, always shoulder. And always shoulder is based upon your back. So that's usually the reason that fascia can be much more um, uh, uh, effective when looking at any of these things. Pain, like uh, in uh, inflammation, um, autoimmune stuff. Um, when energy isn't moving through a system, it taxes organs, glands, you know, cells, cell reproduction is one of the primary things that fascia does. And so how your body is restored on a given day, if you don't let your fascia actually um, uh, stimulate, you can actually stimulate uh, fibroblasts like cell activity based upon activating fascia and not everything activates it, right? Because it's actually a very quiet system in the back of the physiology, right? It's not playing heavy bass up front. It's in the back. And that's why it's like really good at going in and fixing all kinds of things, muscular, skeletal. I mean, you literally can, there's so many things it can fix. So if somebody has um, a lot of, it's, it's difficult because a lot of these symptoms are crossover symptoms from other health issues in the body. Um, but if someone is hearing these symptoms and they think they could have an issue with fascia, 
where do you, is there a test to confirm or do you just start working with someone like you who has developed a model that targets fascia specifically and is, and 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 then the first question is how do you really confirm I this yeah. who do you work with and in that you can explain how your um your movement model works yeah that's a great question so I think you're kind of asking a little bit about diagnostics, right? Like, how do you, this is the big thing now. It's like, how do you diagnose? And I feel like almost fascia is not meant to be like a diagnostic tool as much as it is to be like, you have these six symptoms, where do all of the lines cross over, right? And so it's actually much more holistic by nature to look at things. However, there are things that are more prone to our different tissue types. And I do have a quiz um, that is available on GST Bodies website that you can download. It's free. And it kind of is helps you understand what is your tissue type. And then how do those either become lovabilities or liabilities? Like if you have this tissue type of free flow movement signature, if you've been doing these things, this can be contributing to this problem in your body. And if you have a bound flow and you have been training like this or living like this, these are some of the liabilities that will show up in X, Y, and Z. So from a diagnostic, it's more like kind of like you can figure out what your tissue type is and what those things can relate to and kind of uh, be precursors for rather than like you're definitely going to be guaranteed this outcome if you have this, this um, body type, right? Um, I think the biggest thing is realizing what type of, uh, what state of, what type of, um, tissue you have and then what state and condition it's in. And most people, like you can do it by age. So in your twenties, here's an interesting fact. We are born with almost 300 anatomical movements when we're born, options, things that we can do with our bodies, 300. By the age of 20, we have less than 30. Okay. If that was in any other field of human existence, Economics, we lost like 70% of our, or like almost 90% of our, um, our money. We would think that there's a big problem, but we don't actually look at that. We actually, a lot of our training keeps limiting movement. And we can kind of go into that about the principles of, of what, you know, fascia is asking of us in our bodies for healing, for health, for vitality, and longevity is a big one. So when you, when it comes to um, people kind of being able to know you can pretty much assume that it's fascia. And if you don't, just start assuming it and make it one of the options as like, I've looked at everything and be like, hmm, yeah, I'm still not having as much reprieve as I want. I'm still not losing the weight that I want. I'm still not feeling balanced in my hormones, right? And you can be like, let me just take this extra piece of information and be like, where would it layer? What else would it reveal if I look at it from this perspective? And then you can actually have more information and then there's treatments and stuff that you can do using fascia to effectively deal with those body problems. So if someone were to come in and work with you, what would a session with you look like? And is this an ongoing, mm -hmm. you know, practice? Is this something that, you know, if someone has chronic pain, they come in, they see you once, twice a week, and then they scale back. Like, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, so ideally, GST would be a lifestyle, right? It's a way of relating to your body and having an actual body care. And let me back up two seconds, because if you look at every single person that you go to for therapy and body care, like preventative care, chiropractors, massage therapists, acupuncturists, osteopaths, they have three tools, only three. They have a lever, which is a stick. They push force to try to get flow. 
Acupuncturists use the, the stick of a needle to get into your meridian to get chi to flow, right? Chiropractors use your skeletal system, your own bones, to pop force to be able to get the joint to move better. Osteopaths focus mostly on your viscera and your organs. So your body has five different lever systems, your two arms, your legs, and your spine. And then fashion, the GST teaches you how to kind of almost like a, a martial artist, how to direct force into your tissue in the right direction with the right manipulation. And then with that fascia flux that I was talking about, how to control the fascia, you're creating these micro movements inside the fascia and inside the system to be able to create the flow. So all of a sudden, instead of being a passive recipient, you can become an active participant. And why this is a lifestyle more than a treatment. In the beginning, I get people who need treatment, right? Depending on how broken and how hurt or how sick your body is, you need treatment. But eventually, when you learn these things and your body restores to health, you can just do this. And it looks like fitness. I kind of made a bad business decision for 10 years and chased the LA fitness scene because that's what everybody kind of wanted. They, they associated you know, movement, it must be exercise. I'm going to do it as an exercise. But then it was almost like, it feels like I'm getting a deep tissue massage. And should I have had a really great bowel movement, even though I've been constipated for, you know, the last wow. two weeks or like it moves everything. It acts like fiber. It like does these things because it's working with the fascia system. So it eventually is like movement is the medium to apply these three tools of body care. But you start doing it and you start creating movement, opening, fiber reformation where there is stuck stuff. And when you do that, it also becomes your workout, right? Movement isn't meant to be hard and arduous. And, you know, and that was one of the things is that fascia, because it's a distributor of force, feels like things get lighter and more easy when you do it right versus our traditional workouts is like, if it's not hard and it's not hurting you, it's not doing anything. And it's like, it just follows different rules. You can get the same definition in your muscles, but not having to like tighten all your muscles. You actually whittle away and contour, kind of like the waves contour a shoreline. When you move the fascia flux, it will reveal the muscle musculature you want without having to be like packing on more tightness and tone. That's really damaging to the body, right? It's too much, not, in, you know, instead of just moderation. So what I do with people is I usually find that it is therapeutic. I do therapy with people, but it's really education. I teach. I teach you, here are your three tools. Here's the best things that you can do. And you're going to go and you're going to make it a part of your lifestyle. So the other thing is, is that fascia has a reflex. And it comes from the same area in the brain where you have the reflex for thirst and hunger and all of like sleeping, yawning. And the fascia reflex should go off every 45 minutes. And we have dampened it so much from on sedentary and kind of like depressive phone, you know, obsessed lifestyle that we actually need to fluff our fascia. It's like shaking a snow globe. And so some of these things, if I just give these to people, it's amazing how fast their symptoms alleviate. And then we can get to the underlying kind of source of where can we bring more health. And that's usually where, you know, the collaboration with other disciplines is really helpful, right? Then we can, if your motility is down, all the nutritional stuff that you do isn't you're you're laying it on top of an already broken system. So let's peak your metabolism by effectively creating synchronicity in the motion of your tissues so that food moves extremely efficiently through your your you know organs and then 
It can actually extract the nutrients that you're trying to get. And then you won't feel hungry all the time. That's an example. But so that's kind of the idea that fascia says to us is like, make life your jungle gym and go out and hang off your sink. Find a chain link fence when you're walking your dog at the park. If you learn these basic elemental movements and they're very elemental and you learn how to direct the force and guide the tissue, you become your osteopath. You become your chiropractor. And I find that it's, you know, then you're not dependent. Do you still want a deep tissue massage? Sure, it feels good. But you don't have to have it to keep from blowing your back out. You don't have to have it to try to, you know, just get your headaches to go away, right? Make sure that atlas is in. Well, why is the atlas out? And why are those, you know, why is that affecting the compression rate in your brain? So that's kind of where that, how I work with people is like empowerment, where it's like, I actually want you to become as independent of me as possible. And if there's places that you can't reach, then come back into me. And I'm going to, because I can get angles and I've ached a lot in my professional career to have people who could work on me effectively. And so I think that it's not that these people don't have a place. I don't want that to be the message of like, give up your professionals. But I do, I feel like we're just only dependent. It's like one of our only options rather than being like, dude, really, I can do this. And I can do it quite simply. And it's even more effective because when you lie down, for example, and have someone work on your guts, like an osteopath, they're touching into your nervous system, but they didn't actually like make your tissue behave differently. It's almost like in the psychological realm where you're like, I understand all the things that are messed up with me, but I can't change my behavior. I don't know why I can't stop dating the jerk or I can't meet the right guy. Because our behaviors don't end up changing unless we actively have some behavioral practice change. So just going in and having someone rub on you feels good, but you actually have to engage your own nervous system, move your own guts to make the change really happen and hold. And then that is creating sustainability and health where you're you know, at 30, you can do things you can't do at 40 and at 50. And I'm like, I don't want to keep doing some of the workouts out there. When I'm 50, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. And so your body wants consistency. And I'm sure you guys teach this in, in, with your clients. It's like, don't do extreme diets. Don't do like, this This is frenetic. And our bodies are like, how am I supposed to keep healthy when everything is like changing all the time? And I, and I don't even know what you're putting in me, <laughs> right? It's like holistic, organic, simple. And movement should be the same way. Oh, I went and did this workout. And then I did this workout. It's like, wait a second. Yeah. So, so to clarify, so this is very revolutionary. I feel like you're really creating a new category. I'm, I'm not aware of, and perhaps there's others that do this. Um, I'm not aware of anyone else that I've heard talk about this. But to clarify, this is in a way a combination of of like body work, stretching. Would you consider it a workout? Fitness, style. Sure. It's fitness as well. And what does it look like for someone? I know you have a website. Is this something people can do from home? Do they have to physically be in your class? Mm-hmm. Um, but what is the commitment like? Um, and maybe, yeah, we'll start. There. So yeah, in, in um, very simple, I was very nervous. In 2019, I lost my lease and a studio on Sunset Boulevard. And I was like, can I do this with people like not in person? And they like, when I can't walk around and put my hands on them and I got really like nervous. And so when the pandemic hit and I had just changed my business model, it was like, this better work. And so it was actually a really nice time of two years of me, like just growing a deeper knowledge and trust of GST and that it works. 
And it works so well because not your hands are on someone, but because the principles and the biomechanics are so sound. GST follows very different biomechanics, okay? And so that means the way you move, right? We don't teach a core to tighten your abs. It's really bad for you. Really bad for your gut health, really bad. So we have a different way of doing it. All you have to do is lift your ribs and not use your core the way you're using it. And you're 50% there. So the sound, the, the science behind it is so sound that you don't have to have someone always checking in on you. However, when people want to just do this, they can go in and either take a class. We have online classes. There's an online um, uh, um, studio. And we have divided our kind of coursework or it's like um, there's three different ways really to engage. One is movement medicine. It's our answer to physical therapy. It's for the person whose body is broken and hurt and they need to start slow. They need to get the basics. They want to be able to actually kind of focus on what is hurting and then learn the connections of how to heal. The second one is called conscious conditioning. It's our answer to fitness and that you can work out and you can work out as hard as you want. But if you're moving energy the way fascia wants you to and using your body right, you will get actually better results on all different performance levels. And then the third is called Althea Aging. And it's not really for aged people, even though my mom's 80 and she does GST every day and it keeps her out of pain. Um, it's for the, the, the preventative. It's like, you know, you start using sunscreen at 20. Guess what? By 50, you're going to look 30. But if you don't start your skincare young, then you're going to end up having these liabilities in your body. So you can do all of those in our either like just separate subscriptions or you can get the whole, you know, it's 400 plus videos. And I'm right there with you. I like talk you through it. There's a little bit of a learning up curve because it's different, right? You're not just following along. I'm like, do you feel this? You need to be able to do this. And so some of it's a little bit of a learning. But as soon as you get that idea, you're like, oh, this makes so much sense. This feels so much better. And then they can, you know, do it. So, and then I do see people and people fly into me and I'll kind of, I'm going to, you know, a client's in Vancouver. Um, so just kind of, you know, being able to see and um, whoever kind of needs me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that those are the best ways to reach the work. Um, and then we also have equipment that I developed to enhance, basically. You don't need it, but it enhances um, the efficacy of what you're doing and gives you a little bit better access to some of these tools and techniques. Just to visualize it, what would a couple of the exercises look like from home? Great. The way they look like from home is that you are. Do you want me to show you? Because they're going to have videos, or do you want me to just describe it? I I would describe it. Yeah. Okay, great. So you said hanging was. Let's say that you have three things to do right now. I'm going to give you three things to implement right away. The first one is to go to your sink. Stand with your feet wide, but close to the base of your sink and just hang back off your sink with straight legs first and then with bent. Okay. And you're tractioning and hanging off the sink. I usually tell people the sink because it's sturdy enough to hold body weight without you fearing it's going to fall down. This is just a generic surface. You can do it at the back of the couch. You can do it on a railing. You can do it on handicap ramps while you're waiting for your latte outside of Starbucks. You want to traction your body. It's one of the best ways as an antidote to sitting and compressing your tissue all day long. You must traction. So you hang off and you try to get every piece and every part of your body to move away and separate off of your own body weight, okay? And then you come up and you arch. So so traction is is the first. The other um, look is compression. 
Compression on soft tissue actually decompresses bones. So we always are afraid of compression. We're going to hurt ourselves compression. But when you compress um, soft things, they become longer, like circumference. Think about a dough. So while you're hanging off the sink and pulling back, simply just bend your knees till your butt touches your heels. And this is more of a compression move. It's like it's called a primal squat. We have to create dynamic in the body and dynamic in the tissues. So think about your traction, like pulling the accordion. And then think about uh, compression, like pushing it. And this creates hydraulic movement in your tissues. It's like a syringe, push and pull hydraulics. And that's how fascia gets hydrated, creates individuation of fibers. It's how you get stretch. For fascia, when you traction, you get stronger. So you're also getting stronger by pulling into traction. It's like those Chinese finger toys that when you pull it like the fibers lock and you can like actually have stability without all of this muscular tone and uh, locking in the body. So you have traction, then you bend and then you do your traction again and then you can stand off. The last thing that I tell people to do is rotate, chronically rotate. So what that's going to look like is step away from your kitchen sink, put your arms out like they're kind of like um, swing, you know, those like amusement park swings. And all you're going to do, these are three basics. We can get into refinement in my videos, but you're just going to rotate your body as like a summer sprinkler as much as you can straight through the central axis of your spine. Do not try to tighten your ribs. Keep your ribs open and lifted. Do not try to arbitrarily hold a strong core. Make sure you're not tucking your pelvis when you rotate. That's very damaging. So you're going to like take your ribs and your pelvis and separate them like Easter egg, plastic Easter eggs. Take them and separate them and then rotate. And this has three different functions. One is organ motility. The other one is organ exfoliation. Okay. You need to get the dead cells off in order to be able to have renewed cells coming back in. And then the last thing that it does, it actually increases hydration through your cellular structures. Rotation is really powerful because it's a combination of compression and traction. So Traction, pull your fibers long off the sink and look for everywhere. Compress, go into primal squats. We need dynamics, right? Down by the campfire, up through the trees. Down through the campfire, up through the trees. That's our evolutionary body right. And when we sit in a chair, it's like a flat line. It just kills any dynamics for the tissue. And then rotate. Rotate and let your organs move and breathe and inhale as you rotate and exhale as you rotate. When you exhale, exhale from your back body. Not by closing your ribs, not trying to get those obliques to like show up, women especially. <laughs> Don't try to get obliques to show up. So those are the three things that you can do immediately. If you did that for like five minutes, you would walk away feeling like you had just done the best detox of your life. Wow. And that will be a craving feeling. You cannot stick to a, a system that feels hard or feels like um, effortful, right? How easy is it to stay on a diet when you love chocolate cake? It's not. So fascia gives you the yummy feeling like the chocolate cake is like, oh, I want this. This feels so good. It feels so right. Your body will crave it. And then you'll be like, oh, wait a second. I'll give you your food in a minute, little one. I'm just going to rotate six times. And then you move on. And it becomes this deeply layered, connected way to live to your health. Mm. And these are videos. You Do you have videos like this available on your website? You know what? That's actually a great idea. I don't because I, I never thought about it, but I should do those three things. I do have a YouTube channel, free, 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 tons of free stuff. Well, there you I go. also do every 
It started off every day for a couple of weeks. I'm doing a five minute free, uh, it's called Fascia Flow. It ends up being about 15 minutes as I explain different techniques of what it does to your health. So follow Instagram because then you get free, me free almost daily, giving you 15 minutes of movement, explaining it can be, you know, facelift. It can be, you know, long respiratory, boosting your metabolism through breath rather than through cardiovascular treadmill running. Um, so there's all those kind of tips that you can get free on Instagram. So there's access there. It's just not on my website, but I will do that. That's a great idea. Okay. So what's your Instagram and your YouTube? Great. So my, <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I know the YouTube. I have, might have to look it up. Um, I just have so much of the stuff that I put up there. Okay. It is, um, my handle is at GST body. And you can also follow me on Anna Ray of GST. I have that. That's where I do more of my lifestyle stuff versus like body care stuff. So how fashion needs nutrition or whatever. So both of those, Anna Ray at GSD or um, of Anna, let me say it again, Anna Ray of GSD and GST body is Instagram. And then I think YouTube is um, YouTube backslash GST body. We'll put it all in the show notes. Yeah. 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 yeah, Cause I'm like, if you want my LinkedIn, I don't know that one. (laughs) I'm like like, permissionary notes. So yeah, those are the places to find this. Okay. And then just quick, quick yeah. answer on this. If, if people, you know, a lot of people love their workouts, they have their routine down. If they want to incorporate just a few of these moves, that's, that's, that's still effective. Please, please. Okay. And I would say keep, yeah. I mean, fashion can definitely be layered. I think the basis for people who love what they do, that they should learn to do three different things. Untuck your pelvis. Okay. Just untuck it. You need to learn a little bit more fine, like you know, refinement eventually, because then they're like, well, what if I feel this in my low back and blah, blah, blah. But untuck your pelvis, lift your ribs in an exercise. If they tell you to, to bring your ribs really tightly down into your waistline, don't follow that. And the last one is when you do your core work, try to keep as much space between your upper and lower hemisphere and take your spine through many ranges of motion. This core work of a sit-up is super limited. It's like being like, my only supplement is going to be vitamin C. And you're like, "Mm, well, you need a lot more movement through your core. And so if you want to incorporate fascial principles, those would be my three. Untuck your pelvis, lift your ribs, and use a very dynamic movement through your core, hitting side bending and twisting and spiraling and make your core work very long and very dynamically. So just to wrap up, I think it would be cool to hear just a few of your most favorite testimonials, just so people can kind of get the picture of what it might look like to walk away feeling so much better. Oh my gosh. Will you still be able to see me? I didn't even, I've never been asked that. That's a really beautiful, um, can I read? I have to read them, right? You have the testimonials? Yeah, they're on my <laughs> web. Anybody. Okay, I'll just read you one because sometimes people are quite... Um, uh, let's see if I can find you just one or two of, um, that would maybe from a guy and a girl. Cause that's the other fun thing that's about, I know that I think your audience is mostly women, but men love this stuff because they know they need to stretch, but yoga feels so hard for most men. Yeah. So uh, while, you're looking, while you're looking for that I guess, I just advice for people, obviously GST body is an incredible resource and going to your YouTube, Instagram, but even just to know about this, even just to know that this is something that they should be researching. I yes. think is something I would encourage because I, you know, my fiance has a lot of pain that's reoccurring. He works out mm. hard and it's true. You know, he does a lot of stretching and, you know, mobility work and, but 
it, it, it does feel like a missing link here that's not talked enough about. And so just researching, I think, is, is my next step here. Thank yeah. you so much for saying that. I think that's so great. I always, it's so my world that I kind of get spun off on like talking like, I know this is all I know, but you're right. It's like, just use this as a starting point. If this stuff sounds interesting to you, like do a deep dive because it's fascinating and it feels so good that I think it, it you know, it resonates and then people can find more because there's so, yeah. there's a great world out there and great other people doing fashion work. So yeah. awesome. Um, all right. So here, Anna Ray and GSP Body has been remarkable for my healing process. In March of 22, I had COVID and developed neuropathy in my lower half uh, that caused weakness, tingling, and loss of balance. All of the treatments I pursued, of all of them that I pursued, Anna's GSP has been the game changer. She has incredible knowledge about the body and fascia's importance in the healing process and is also incredible with her effort, uh, with the effort she personally exerts with her clients to help them achieve their goals. It's not just knowledge she provides but the physical effort and tremendous moral support. Thank you, Anna. Oh, and yeah. I, a question I had for you too, um, and I know we need to wrap up, but you've had yeah. incredible coverage, media coverage. You've worked with celebrities. Yeah. How has that changed the game for you? And on a final note, what is, you know, with this attention that you've gotten, what is your mission? How are you using it to move forward? That's a great question. Um, I have really loved working with celebrities because they're people. <laughs> Yeah. And being able to work with them and de, you know, mystify them and enjoy them for who they are. Um, their stories are always deeper than what we can imagine. And um, so it's an honor to be able to just be trusted, I think, with people's bodies, especially people who use their bodies. Um, I like Robert Downey Jr. You know, he's a uh, uses his freaking body all the time. And so then it feels like, wow, I'm honored that they can um, trust me that way. Um as far as my mission, I really feel like GST speaks to the person who just wants to live like freely in their body, right? And it's kind of beyond health and wellness. It's like, do you just want to feel good finally? Like I don't, there's plenty of people who do fitness and their bodies hurt and their, you know, symptoms are like not, oh, don't know that. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Sorry about that. Um, so I think that my mission is just to be available and help people who want to um, live freely in their bodies from pain, from disease, um, and find a way that is um, super effective for changing the way they can live their life. Yeah, beautiful. Well, you've really brought something completely new to our attention, I'm sure to mm -hmm. our audience's attention. We encourage them to follow you, check the show notes for all of the places where they can connect. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank and I'm sure to share. I really yeah. love being able to talk to like obviously intelligent women and, and just uh, share and connect because like fascia, we just need to be connected to uh, each other, to the world at large. So thank you. What a wonderful way to tie it up. <laughs> <laughs> and I, we give you permission to steal Jess's fascinating um <laughs> i will use that because it's a good one <laughs> good one <laughs> thank you so much we hope you enjoyed that interview and the intro and if you have any questions feel free to reach out to us you can dm us at solo 2.0 podcast you can also take a screenshot of the episode share it in stories and tag us we'd love to hear from you and then as always if you could leave a rating and a review that would mean the world to us it's how we bring on more guests it's how we reach more people this is truly a passion project of ours we don't make money off of it so 
our goal is really to share this out to as many people as possible and to just hopefully help inspire and motivate people to get after, to step into that 2.0 versions of themselves. So remember, even if nothing feels right today, you tuning into this podcast and opening your mind is enough. Change doesn't happen overnight. So be patient and kind with yourself and good things will come. See you next time. Yeah.